0: BIV Today, the daily business news podcast from Business in Vancouver newspaper and BIV.com. I'm Tyler Orton, and it is all about the BC budget today. We're going to be focusing on reaction from the province's business community. A lot of leaders on the show today, including BC Chamber of Commerce CEO Val Litwin, And then later on, Greater Vancouver Board of Trade CEO Ian Black. And then finally, we're going to cap off the show with Business Council of British Columbia Chief Economist Ken Peacock. I also want to mention before we get into our interviews that there are a few BIV events worth going to. February 21st at the Shangri-La Hotel. It's coming up later this week. Expert panel focused on due diligence and valuation when buying a business. That'll be one to go to. And then the next week, February 28th, also at the Shangri-La, the newspaper is facilitating a retirement-ready panel discussion. And then on March 8th, we have the 20th anniversary of the Influential Women in Business Awards. That's at the Fairmont Waterfront Hotel. Find more details on everything at biv.com slash events. Now, let's get some budget talk on. And with us now to kick off our BC Budget 2019 talk, it is Val Litwin. He is the CEO of the BC Chamber of Commerce. Val, thanks for joining us on the program today.
1: Tyler, great to be on the call. Thank you.
0: So I'm sitting here. I'm I'm racking my brain a little bit. I'm trying to find examples in the budget that maybe address some of the issues that small businesses might be concerned about, especially when it comes to competition. Are you seeing anything here? Are are there any causes for concern for small businesses with regards to this latest budget?
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting that uh, you're having that reaction. I think in many ways, the budget that was rolled out yesterday wasn't a big surprise to really anyone because it, it continues to kind of deliver on the, the promises and some of the big investments and initiatives that were rolled out in last year's budget. So still a really strong focus on affordability and can you know continues to deliver on the government's vision for childcare and housing. But you're absolutely right, what is missing, there is a bit of a hole in the budget. Um I would argue from especially from an SME SME perspective, there isn't a lot here around how businesses are going to be supported by government to compete in the years ahead and i think you know arguably one of the misnomers that's come out in in some of the coverage that this budget introduces relatively modest spending going forward that needs to be contextualized a little bit because the reality is that last year the budget kicked into play an additional 5 billion in costs to the business community over the next 3 years so A lot of the things that are being rolled out and sort of underwritten in this budget uh, will all be paid for largely and supported by largely uh, businesses in BC in the years to come.
0: And that's another thing that I want to jump on here because there are some additional burdens that these small businesses are facing with regards to, say, the new employer's health tax, uh, carbon tax, minimum wage hikes, corporate tax rates. What is the sentiment right now when you talk to people within this small business community about these growing burdens?
1: Right. So we've got some pretty clear data on this. Each year we go out into the market with our annual economic snapshot. We call it our collective perspective survey. We've been doing that for three years now. So we've got some really interesting trend line data. But what we're seeing right now coming out of this year's survey, two pretty striking results. One is that eighty <clears> percent <throat> excuse me, eighty percent of the business community in bc right now thinks the cost of doing business in this province have gotten worse in the last year and i should mention this collect perspective survey we speak to about a thousand businesses each year all weighted by region size of business so this is a very healthy sample we didn't just go out and talk to 50 businesses so of those roughly thousand businesses 800 of them are saying you know what the costs of doing business have gotten worse Even more striking, I would argue, is that one out of two, so about half the business community is saying their confidence in the economy has declined in the last year. So I think this helps paint a little bit of a picture where many folks are, we're trying to square the circle, right? Wait a second. BC is leading economic growth in Canada, record unemployment. Generally speaking, apart from the squeeze we feel when it comes to uh, access to labor and, and filling those spots on our teams, generally speaking, this is a good story, right? Some of those macro economic indicators are looking good. But what business is saying is, okay, we're now starting to feel the weight of those cumulative effects, and it's starting to slow down how we do things. So we're hearing stories now, um, and I'll give you one particular example in in Vancouver here, Um, the the juice truck guys. So really fun kind of provincial startup story. They're now at six locations through the lower mainland. It's uh, you know food service industry, so very low margins. You got lots of um, stock that's very perishable, so it's a risky business to be in. But they've been really smart with their model. They're growing. I think they've got about 90 young people on their payroll now. This is the story of how we want businesses to grow in BC: startup, scaling quickly, lots of jobs. <clears throat> excuse me, adding to the economy. What they're saying now, their their vision was to grow one new location a year. They've said now with EHT, the new employer's health tax. Um, they are now capping their vision for growth. They're going to stop at six and that's it. So as long as those costs are in place, those taxes, those additional burdens, um, their growth story has changed now and it's come to a grinding halt. And that's what we're starting to hear now more and more from businesses is that, yeah, some of those macroeconomic fundamentals might be good today, but our job is BC's biggest and broadest business organization is to let people know what's around the corner and our data is suggesting that there's some storm clouds on the horizon.
0: And that also spells out that maybe this is going to have an impact on say hiring practices as well as you know just kind of the burden that these companies can bear so it it is going to be interesting as we follow along with this moving forward. I'm curious though the other thing that I I do want to highlight though and you guys do highlight this in your own assessments of this budget though is some of the benefits that we are seeing with say LNG and how that can impact some of your members in other parts outside of, you know, Southern British Columbia. Tell me a little bit about your take moving forward. Yeah,
1: I mean, the LNG final investment decision in 2018 was a big win for BC and and Canada. and I think the NDP government deserves kudos for helping get that over the line. Certainly, previous governments had done a ton of heavy lifting, but you know what? It still takes effort to spike the ball in the end zone, and that's what this government did. Um, So what we saw in yesterday's budget is now they're starting to forecast some of those revenues and some of that economic activity that's going to be generated from um, the initial build stage of that project. It's being factored into the budget, Um, and we expect... Certainly through northern British Columbia in the northeast, the north coast, and there's no doubt going to be trickle down all the way to the lower mainland. We will see a positive story in terms of the economic ripples that come from that uh, particular investment. But, you know, it's going to put pressure on business on the labor supply front. And, you know, we, we saw it when the oil sands were booming, right? When, when uh, the price of oil was up and there were big investments in the oil sands, a lot of talented people left uh, many parts of British Columbia to go and uh, take a part in that economic boom. So we expect there will be a little bit of um, you know, pressures in the labor market sort of connected to that boom up in the north, and that will put some pressure on businesses that maybe aren't associated with that value chain.
0: Well, so you and I, we've kind of been poking some holes at maybe what was in the budget. If you were, you know, the finance minister, I don't know, uh, what would you like to have introduced that you think would have been very beneficial for a lot of the small businesses that you represent?
1: You know, I think the business community in BC today is very different than it was 10 years ago. And, you know, we're finding even at the grassroots level now, we represent about 30% of the not for profits in any community. So a lot of chambers... Um, see themselves not just as business organizations, but also as community organizations. And the reason I'm mentioning that is our policy approach now. I'm seeing that it's becoming much more holistic. We've got so many policies now around housing and childcare because a lot of businesses have that clear line of sight between, say, accessible, affordable housing in their community and their ability to recruit and retain good people. Um, so, you know, there. I think the investments that are being made on on that front are. Um, very welcome by the business community at this point. But I, I think on the flip side, what business is saying, so, hey, we appreciate that we have to pay more to create a, a situation here in, in British Columbia that um, is more supportive of, of these you know young people that want to live and stay here and work. But uh, there has to be some consideration now on the burden after burden, tax on tax on tax, that's being put on business. So when it comes to the employer's health tax, just as one concrete example, Uh, you know, the business community in BC appreciates the benefit from healthy employees. We're not stuck in the dark ages. We get that we have to pay into that benefit uh, to ensure we have a healthy workforce. The question is, does business really need to be footing that extra $1.9 uh, billion a year, or rather that total $1.9 billion, which equates to $600 million, um, additional dollars more than, than what the business community was paying before into that benefit? Because of course some businesses uh, can afford to pay the MSP, some can't or choose not to. Now moving forward, it's quite different. So I think what the business community is saying, hey, we can all do this together. We're bought into this notion that, um, You know, a strong, sustainable, innovative economy brings everyone along. But let's not do it uh, to our own detriment. Let's not put so many burdens on business that they stop growing and stall growth, which is what we're starting to see. And when that happens, you can't fund uh, some of these massive and frankly, uh, truly ambitious and historic investments that we're considering down the road in the next couple of years.
0: Well, as always, Val, I really do appreciate you making time to chat with us. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thanks so much, Tyler.
0: That's Val Litwin, CEO of the BC Chamber of Commerce. And stay with us, Ian Black from the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade. He joins us right after this. The Greater Vancouver Board of Trade is out with its report card for the latest BC Budget, BC Budget 2019, that is. And with us to break it all down, it's Ian Black. He's the CEO of the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade. Ian, thanks for joining us on the show.
1: Good day, Tyler, and to all of your listeners.
0: Well, let us dig into it here. You give it an overall grade of B minus. You've got some other categories that we can talk about a little bit. But uh, B minus, it's not exactly an A grade here. Tell me, where was there maybe some room for improvement from this latest budget here?
1: Well, when the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade assesses uh, budget, we do so on three basic uh, criteria. We talk about or look for indicators of economic vision. We look for fiscal prudence and we look for issues of competitiveness and things that help the business community do what they do in terms of creating employment, driving our economy, and, and frankly, moving the country forward. So in this particular budget, uh, we were very pleased to see it was balanced. It should be balanced. We continue to ride the hottest economy in the country for basically a decade and a half now. Uh, So we would have been very concerned if it wasn't balanced, but you don't want to take away from that. It's important that that the the government does get the kick in the box uh, for for achieving that. So that was very important. Um, However, they did so in large measure because of many tax measures that were put in place that fundamentally impact the business community last year. That are being felt now this year. So they're not necessarily items that were included in this year's budget because they are pre-announced, but their impact is certainly being felt and contributes towards that positive fiscal outcome. So it is in many respects on the back of the business community and notably the small business community that this successful outcome is being reached. So we have to temper our enthusiasm just a little bit for those reasons.
0: Yeah, I'm very curious about, say, tax competitiveness and maybe uh, competitiveness overall. We're we're seeing few signs, at least in our newsroom, about whether there's many you know competitive aspects as part of this budget. Is this cause for concern right now?
1: Well, there's next to no mention of economic vision. There's no there's next to no mention of, of programs, and strategies, and 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 direction. Uh, as to where the government wishes the, the economy to go. And so government and business work hand in hand. And you look back on previous administrations and there was an aspirational element to budgets talking about where British Columbia might go, aspirations for her people and uh, where we might take a bigger role in Canada and how we might get there and in terms of our rightful place in Confederation and those kind of lofty statements. But those lofty statements spoke to the intent of the value system of the administration. And this particular administration is staying very true to its value system at its base, which is why you're seeing an enormous amount of money and programs uh, focused on low-to-income families. They're focused on affordability issues, uh, childcare-related issues. And these are very important topics, but they're very expensive to implement, which you're also seeing in the... Budget, in the sense that you're seeing spending go up uh, over 10% over the next three years against an economic uh, backdrop of growth in only about a 7% range, cumulatively speaking and debt going up about 21% during that same three-year period. So this is a a, a meaningful uh, expenditure of money that's taking place, and uh, it is something that we're watching very carefully with admitted concern.
0: Yeah, and you brought up uh, just a moment ago with regards to how a lot of this is going to be borne by, say, the small business community. Uh, How tough is that, especially when we have a lot of these new taxes being put in place, as well as just, say, like minimum wage hikes that are coming up here for British Columbia. Is this cause for concern with regards to a lot of these small businesses now?
1: Yeah, you know, it really is. And this is where we have to be careful because, um, you know, my organization that I'm, I'm so proud to work with, uh, we are not a, uh, an organization that, that kind of knocks people down or knocks government down. We're very interested in trying to build things, build communities, and frankly give credit where credit's due. And we certainly don't want to encourage something like a recession by all kind of gloom and doom talk. But we have to be clear, this is a year where you're seeing an increase in corporate income tax, Uh, you're seeing an increase of personal income tax for the professional or management level and above. You're seeing an increase in in carbon tax. You're seeing the carbon tax no longer being revenue neutral, which means that that money collected is not going back in the form of other tax cuts the way it was mandated by law until just a year and a half ago. You're also seeing a 33% increase in minimum wage over the next three years, and you're also seeing the introduction of this really uh, troubling payroll tax that the government's calling the health services tax, which is to replace the revenue from the MSP collections. Even more troubling is many small businesses will be paying both the MSP premiums and the new tax for the first 12 months. They're effectively paying twice. So yeah, there are many places you can point to where this is very real. And that's before you take into account, to be very clear, the increases in CPP contributions that businesses need to make starting this year as well, which is a federal issue, of course, but that was announced three years ago. That starts kicking in this year as well. And there's some good examples I can give you, but it very quickly adds up to tens of thousands of dollars, which for a small business could be the difference between staying in business or not.
0: So, Ian, uh, as we leave off here, what's some low-hanging fruit, some easy stuff that you think that maybe the uh, government can look forward to doing maybe in the next budget or something that you would have done in this particular budget here?
1: Well, we won't let go of this issue of the payroll tax. You're going to see that from the true pain point this year. You're going to see a lot of focus and analysis by our organization and getting some of our members to come out and actually talk about what it means to them. For us, just to be clear... The Board of Trade with 37 employees and a payroll of about 2.8, dollars 2900000 million, uh, that payroll tax is going to cost us about $50,000. Well, we are a break-even organization. Mm. And so for us, that means we either have to go get more membership and more sponsorship, or we have to look at laying somebody off. It's not a complicated or, nor a happy uh, decision point for us. So you're going to see us focus on that. And, and in terms of what the government might do, we look at them to scrap it all together, uh, if they possibly can. Uh, and if not, looked for changing the way it's applied, uh, raise the, the minimum thresholds at which it applies, et cetera, et cetera. Because I do believe that a lot of small businesses are going to be impacted by this. And as the group that uh, provides six out of 10 jobs in this province and over a third of the GDP, that is very meaningful economic impact that we'll be watching for very carefully.
0: Well, Ian, as always, I appreciate you making time to talk to us today.
1: Pleasure to be here. Thank you.
0: That's Ian Black, CEO of the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade. Stay with us, Ken Peacock from the Business Council of British Columbia. He joins us next with his take on the budget. And with us now it's Ken Peacock, chief economist at the Business Council of British Columbia. Ken, thanks for joining us on the show.
2: You're very welcome, Tommy.
0: So I want a bit of a step back here because we've had previous guests. They're speaking about, say, small businesses. But in the assessment that the Business Council released on Tuesday, you pointed out, you know, whether or not the budget is preparing the province for a tougher global economic climate. Tell us, I don't know, based on your perspective here, what is the province prepared for, or is it prepared for what could be, uh, I guess, a darkening storm clouds heading our way at this point?
2: yeah no it's a good it's a good question Tyler and it's something that, that we were highlighting yesterday after after the budget was delivered by the uh, by the finance minister um the The concern is that there are some darkening storm clouds on the horizon as you identified now we we looked at the budget uh there are a number of new initiatives there are additional spending program spending built into the budget but if you look at the budget overall I, I think next year's increase is four and a half percent for Pro, increased program spending, not a particularly large number, kind of in line with uh, what we've seen over the past decade. But the concern is some of the costs start to build up a number of years uh, out. And at the same time, the budget did very very little, if anything, to, to kind of acknowledge and address the competitive challenges, mounting competitive challenges that we're facing here in BC, and, and in fact, right, right across the country. So, you know, you, you, we look around the globe, the global economy slowing, led by a slowdown in China, Europe's teetering on recession, not clear how long the US ex- expansion is, is going to last. And so, you know, from our perspective, we see a lot of uh, Challenges in terms of the competitiveness, environment, and climate here. And we think that you need to, uh, the government needs to, to recognize this and maybe take some steps to make it a more business friendly environment, an environment that is more conducive to uh, making large capital investments for, for the private sector.
0: Well, I'm curious about maybe some of the low-hanging fruit that you think might be existing right now in this budget that the government could have tackled to make us more competitive. Uh, what, what stands out to you as something that would have been kind of easy pickings?
2: Well, I don't know. Yeah, well, I think one. I'll start with... One of the things I think that is important to do, and it, it may, may not be that easy or that simple, but the carbon tax is, is an area that we're concerned about. It continues to rise. We, we support the carbon tax, but the problem that we face here in BC is we have the highest carbon price in North America, one of the highest in the world. And unlike all other ju- jurisdictions around the globe, uh, the province hasn't taken any steps to, to kind of protect or help the export sector and and we identify the export sector as particularly uh, particularly vulnerable because it very difficult for people exporting into other markets, companies exporting into other markets to pass on the additional costs from carbon tax. So what happens is exporters here are saddled with having to pay that carbon tax competing with companies from other jurisdictions that don't have the same cost burden. So it puts us at a disadvantage. So that's one area and I think we would have liked to see some more funding for skills and training. There wasn't a whole bunch directed towards that. And then, you know, they could also consider reducing uh, the top marginal tax rate or at least increasing the level, the income level at which the top marginal tax rate kicks in. It's quite low here in British Columbia. I think it's around $150,000 in earnings. Other provinces, it's quite a bit higher. And in the U.S., it's somewhere around half a million dollars or something. So in order to attract top talent, that would have been a step that wouldn't have cost much money at all, and it would have helped businesses attract top talent from other jurisdictions and retain top talent here.
0: Well, and that's one of the issues that, that I'm very interested in right now with regards to some of the labor strains that we're experiencing and whether we're going to be well prepared to deal with them at this point. How big of an issue is it right now for businesses, both large and small here in British Columbia, dealing with? I, I mean, we have the lowest unemployment rate here in Canada right now. How tough is it for us to keep up, be competitive, especially with regards to the talent pool?
2: Yeah, it, it is It is tough. Um the, the, the income tax structure or the tax structure is, is one factor. Of course, it would be ignoring the probably arguably bigger factor and that would be housing costs and housing prices. Uh, that is, is pr- probably the biggest impediment to trying to attract top talent, at least into the Metro Vancouver and perhaps uh, Victoria markets. So that's something that the government has a number of issues there. Housing affordability is a very, very difficult issue to address and uh, and to move the needle on. So I'm not sure they're going to make much headway uh, there. So other areas like income tax, increasing the brackets, uh, spending and funding in the skills training and development area probably would be more helpful. But uh, just to go back to your original question, I think it is a, a big challenge for companies to attract. Top talent as well as uh, just uh, low, lower skilled workers as well. You're right. We have the lowest unemployment rate in the country. Um, we have an unusually high vacancy rate in terms of the number of jobs that are not currently filled and companies looking to fill those positions. So there are some difficulties and challenges in, in terms of work worker recruitment for, for most businesses in the province right now.
0: One of the other things that if you take a look at the BCNDP, I think they're making LNG a big pillar of their economic sort of uh, game here. Uh, How do you think that the budget really addresses the LNG? Uh, Still very much a nascent industry here in British Columbia, but uh, where where are we going based on this budget?
2: Sure. So interestingly enough, there was essentially nothing, almost nothing uh, mentioned on LNG in the budget. We talked a little bit about it in the budget lockup with, with some of the officials there, and, and I guess the story around LNG is it's it's a huge project, $40 billion investment, biggest in Canadian history, so it's going to provide a substantial economic lift. So because of the, the forecasting procedures and the the, government, uh, the Ministry of Finance's reliance on independent economic forecasters to provide their baseline forecast. Uh, LNG is kind of baked into the economic outlook, if you know what I mean. So Mm -hmm. uh, the economists providing the forecast to the the ministry all all recognize and understand that this LNG investment is coming. So that is going to provide a lift later this year and in 2020 for certain. So we expect higher growth as a result of that. So it's reflected in the forecast, but it's not reflected in any of the uh, revenue line items in the budget. So they haven't booked it in that sense other than to, to recognize we are going to get stronger growth. So we do expect you know, higher income tax, higher commercial uh, cor- corporate income taxes and whatnot as a result of the project, but no official, re- official revenue estimates yet.
0: Very interesting. I, I think everybody is kind of on uh, tenterhooks at this point, o- awaiting what those estimates will be moving forward. Uh, but uh, we'll we'll get you back on the show uh, very quickly, uh, Ken. Uh, for now, I want to thank you for joining us today.
2: You're very welcome. Thanks, Tyler. That's
0: Ken Peacock, Chief Economist at the Business Council of British Columbia. And that's it for the show today. We're going to be back tomorrow. But for now, you can find our archives on iTunes and Stitcher's. We also encourage you to share with your friends and leave a review as it helps other people find this podcast. For now, I'm Tyler Orton. Thanks for listening.